look into the book of Acts as we see the early church in prayer during times of persecution and peril. Acts chapter 16, we're going to begin in the 16th verse. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison and commanding the jailer to keep them securely, having received such a charge... He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison Awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, sir, what must we do to be saved? And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them, to him, and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought him into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. In the example of Paul and Silas in this particular situation we can find help I believe and we can find hope for our midnight hour that time of testing when the enemy strikes and endeavors to quench our faith I've said this many times throughout the years I think it's worth repeating that though Paul and Silas were in prison prison was not in them they were not going to uh be silent in this moment. This opportunity uh, lent itself to them lifting up their voice and praying and singing praises to God. And as a reminder, the midnight hour comes to each and every one of us. One of the great lessons that I learned from uh, one of my fathers in the faith, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, was that probably one of the most important things that we as Christians need to learn how to do is pray because problems come and prayer is one of the ways in which we navigate those problems so that God is glorified. While prayer, I believe,
Does it prevent all the problems? It sure helps us to know how we should respond in the midst of them. As a reminder, they were going to a church meeting. They are going to the hour of prayer. And in the midst of them traveling on their way to gather with other believers to lift up their voice and to cry out to God, there was a young girl who really was making uh, her employer a lot of money. And she had a spirit of divination. She was into the occult. And as a result of that, she recognized, because she had a familiar spirit, she recognized that these were men, but not ordinary men. These were men of God. And she began to, uh, you know, really make quite a scene. And the thing that annoyed Paul the most is that Paul didn't really need someone to advertise for him. He didn't want someone to promote his ministry. He didn't want someone to make it sound like he was famous or he was, you know, uh, God's man of the hour. He just wanted to go about living his life and being led by the Spirit. And so after several days, so apparently every time that they were about to go into the temple during the hour of prayer, which was a daily discipline for the early church, there she was meeting them somewhere in the crossroads and following them and crying out. And Paul initially didn't do anything because sometimes when those things happen, it catches you unaware, it catches you off guard. And yet it says clearly that there was an evil spirit or a spirit of divination behind what was driving this young girl's attitude and actions but after a while Paul perceived that he knew exactly what to do and he turned around and he addressed the spirit so that the girl could be set free and this girl was not in control this spirit was controlling and dominating her and driving her and as a result of that she was ministered to and then her masters really got upset. And because they lost a source of income, a source of revenue, it hit them personally, and so they went after Paul and Silas and brought charges against them, brought them before the legal council, which was the magistrate. So this is the Roman court system. This is not the Sanhedrin. This is not bringing them before the Jews or before the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even though they jumped on board and sort of dogpiled on Paul and Silas as the story unfolds. But constantly it said that they would be offering themselves to prayer. They were going to the place to gather with people during the hour of prayer. And then at midnight, we see that they were singing and praying unto God and other people were being impacted. So when we're a people of prayer and we're a people of praise. It influences and it impacts other people. I don't believe this is just to happen when we gather corporately on a Sunday or Wednesday or special services. But I believe from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So this can take place in the marketplace. I believe it, it needs to take place there. Uh, I was in Walmart today and saw some of our our church family, and, and that's sort of a gathering place in our community. And 
uh, one of them wasn't uh, feeling real well. You could sort of see it on her countenance. And so we just stopped right there and we took a moment, lifted our hands and began to pray and began to thank God for his provision. About two minutes later, I'm walking down another aisle and here's another church member and they're going through a challenging moment uh, today and they, you know, just seemed a little uh, discouraged. And so I said, you know, it'd be a good time right now if we just thank the Lord for his faithfulness. And so let's just take a moment and thank God for his faithfulness. And I didn't open my eyes. I closed my eyes. I closed my eyes when I prayed with the first one, when we gave thanks with the second one. And it didn't matter to me who was around or who was paying attention. Someone was probably paying attention. It it took place sort of over by the optometrist and in that area. So there's always sort of an intersection of people coming and going. And But why should we be silent when we have a God that can intervene anytime, anywhere, people will begin to pray and give praise? This this isn't a Sunday and Wednesday (coughs) scenario. This is a lifestyle. It it can take place in ball fields. It it should take place in our school systems. We we should not uh, allow anyone to restrict our convictions about serving and worshiping the Lord. I mean, uh, government can legislate a lot of things, but it can't legislate faith and it can't legislate it out of me. And it's better to obey God and to serve him. Even if you get in trouble, you're really not that far from getting out of trouble because the Lord will intervene and come and rescue and help those who are committed to serving him, not just occasionally, but consistently. See, Paul and Silas, if they would have been hit and miss, hot and cold, in and out, then there's no doubt that they would not have responded to this peril or persecution in the manner that they did. Because the text is so clear about how they responded, this was a lifestyle they were committed to. This was not, you know, Monday evening at 6 o'clock, we all come to church. While there's nothing wrong with that, they were committed to the hour of prayer. They were committed when they were in prison to pray and to sing. The most challenging of places, especially with light of the injustices that they had personally encountered. So it's a beautiful reminder that we need to be rooted and grounded as Christians, and we need to be expressing, even in perilous times, even in times of persecution, even in times of being falsely accused, we need to be people of prayer and praise. It should be what, what comes from us unto the Lord. So trouble comes to everyone. As a reminder, the devil makes sure of that. Can I get a witness? Amen. But our attitude towards it makes the difference between victory or defeat. How we look at the situation makes the difference whether we get out at all. So let the praises of God ring. Here's the central truth I want us to focus on. Are you guys ready? You can pray and I can pray and praise beyond our understanding. We can pray and praise beyond our understanding. Praise is a characteristic of a spirit-filled believer. Praise is a characteristic of a spirit-filled believer. And God wants us to be filled and to continually be filled. 
Well, one of the ways that we continually are filled is by praising the Lord, because as we praise the Lord, he pours, pours out his spirit upon us and we're filled once again with his spirit. Deliverance came while they were praying and singing hymns to the Lord. Deliverance came. They weren't asking for deliverance. Nowhere do we see in the text that they were praying for God to deliver them. They were just praying and praising God. That's what the text tells us. It doesn't tell us specifically that they asked God to come and do anything for them personally. They, they were okay with just praying and praising the Lord. And because the order or the charge to the guard was so, was given with such authority, they, they were in the lowest part of the prison in stocks after being beat with rods by the magistrates, that was the sentence that was given unto them. So beaten with rods and bloodied backs, bruised, probably broken ribs, and the feet in stocks, and a great deliverance occurred for them. One other thought before I'll finish with these three quick bullet points. A great earthquake is not an ordinary earthquake. When scripture uses the word great, it, it denotes something that you have to pay attention to. That what made this so great is it was in one location. It, the whole city didn't shake. Not every location around the jail shook. It was specific to their location. What made everything shake? We read earlier last week that the very room in which prayer and praise was being offered unto God, that it shook, the people shook. Anybody get convicted by that? Many years ago, uh, church history teaches these lessons and, and we're, we do well to learn from these lessons about a group of people called the Quakers. The Quakers were holiness people. In other words, they were completely committed to Christ and to live a holy separate life. Worldliness was not an option for them. They were not going to buy into the culture or the ways of the culture. Popularity was not important to them. What was important to them was living a godly, holy life they would sit in meetings similar to what we're in right now and they would wait on the Lord. And the Lord's presence would come. The Spirit of God would fall. And the reason they were known as Quakers is why. They would begin to shake. And it, it wasn't something that they put airs on about. It was the Lord manifesting Himself unto a people that had committed themselves completely to him. So they, they weren't trying to, you know, fit in. And they were trying to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that we do have some time to pray tonight. In your midnight hour, I want to give you three things to consider. And I want you to really consider them. I pray that you do. 
Don't take the attack personally. They were doing the work of God. They were doing the will of God. They were ministering to people in the name of Jesus. And when ministry occurs, it stirs up the enemy. And he's going to respond. So don't take things personally. The reason that they encountered this resistance, this persecution, they were falsely accused, they were imprisoned, is because the enemy was trying to stop ministry. The enemy was trying to stop ministry. Number two, when persecuted for righteousness, Scripture admonishes us, rejoice and keep doing what's right. Don't stop. If you hit a wall, run through it. Don't let the wall stop you. If you face resistance, then don't take it personally. Rejoice because you're a part of a great company of those that have preceded us, the prophets and the other patriarchs of old who were persecuted for righteousness sake and keep doing what's right. The persecution and the pressure is coming to try to silence your prayers and your praise. Don't let it do it. At that moment, get engaged spiritually. And we're all going to have opportunity to do that. Don't draw back, draw near to God. When you hit a wall, run through it. Number three, don't allow the circumstances to keep you ever from giving God the glory that belongs to him and him alone. Last statement. I believe that if they were going to breathe their last breath that day, they were going to do it praising the Lord. That if we're going to, if this is it, if Paul and Silas looked at each other and said, if this is it, if this is the end of the road, This is the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid moment. If this is it, let's go out guns a-blazing. Let's not be silent. If they're going to put us here and they're going to falsely accuse us and tomorrow morning when we get up, we don't know what we're going to face, but if this is our last breath, let's use the breath that we have to praise the Lord. This is conviction This is commitment. This is consecration. This is the spirit-filled life. This is what prayer produces. It pushes people into God, not away from Him. It causes them to draw near, to fight, to stand, and to worship. Can I get an amen? amen? This is the early church. This is our heritage. These are our people if we wanted to put it in modern vernacular. This is our company. This is the example that was set before us. This is what is recorded in Holy Scripture because it makes a difference. They did what they did because there was no other way for them to live. This was the life they chose. They chose Jesus and they chose to follow him. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 
828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.